0: to the Luke Beasley show I hope you're doing wonderful on this Thursday we have a lot to discuss so let's waste absolutely no time and jump into our first story we talked yesterday about how the midterms did not reflect well on Donald Trump his movement the people he endorsed in a prominent way many of the people in very prominent races didn't do well someone like Oz or Mastriano those two out of Pennsylvania Um, and it was good it was very good For what that means about the mindset of the American people, about this election denier uh, ideology, and the hardcore support of Trump, and all of that. Well, after the midterms, we immediately saw, as we discussed yesterday, a shift towards maybe DeSantis should be our guy instead, but also just a strong uh, straying away generally from Trump and calling him out pretty directly. So here's a moment, we're just going to go through a series of different kind of more conservative people, calling him out and saying that he shouldn't run and uh, no longer should be the lead of the Republicans. Take a look.
1: But we're all in for whatever candidate it was, but for the varying factors uh, that's just been articulated by our colleagues. We've had a lot of great points made here. There's no question. But some of the Trump-backed candidates really struggled and some of it had to do with the election denialism. I wrote an open letter to Donald Trump this morning on my substack that, Sorry, Kaylee. It says, "Please, Mr. President, don't run again." I, you I don't feel have to strong- apologize to oh, me. To be clear, I haven't declared. I'm I, voting for any one person. So. I'm just in respect to your service to the country. Uh, that's all. The only reason I say it. So, but aside from that, the day after.
0: So, uh, Fox News host, please, Trump, don't run. And then you have a widely kind of discussed and laughed at cover of the New York Post. You can see here, depicting Trump as Humpty Dumpty and writing Trumpy Dumpty, Don, who couldn't build a wall, had a great fall. Can all the GOP's men put the party back together again? So uh, that is not what Trump wants to see. The New York Post, who is, again, a right-wing publication, making that their cover. And then you see here from the Washington Examiner, voters show they want sanity and don't want Trump. Very interesting and then the Wall Street Journal which obviously is much more in the middle compared to the previous two but also with a similar uh, thought there Trump is the Republican Party's biggest loser and hang on to that phrase biggest loser because in a second we'll show you Midas touch um, putting together back-to-back this probably would hurt Trump's feeling so bad if he watched it all the different people and I love it uh, who called him after the midterms the biggest loser of the The night, but here's one of his former, you know, uh, boot lickers, Laura Ingram.
1: So, going into 2024, the Republicans are going to be looking for candidates who are focused on winning, not just making a point or settling a score. So, to really change the country, we're going to have to win, and we have to win over voters outside our traditional base. That means young people, too. That's gotta be the goal for the next presidential election. The populist movement is about ideas. It is not about any one person. If the voters conclude that you're putting your own ego or your own grudges ahead of what's good for the country, they're gonna look elsewhere, period.
0: Very interesting, of course, not using Trump's name, but who else would you be alluding to in that situation? And finally, so nicely put together by Midas Touch, they've become one of my favorites to uh, play from, just the ads and videos that they make. All the different times, or many of the different times, that in the analysis of the midterm results, people call Trump the biggest loser. The biggest loser tonight is Donald Trump.
1: The single biggest loser of the night last night was one Donald J. Trump. Yes.
2: The big loser of the day was Donald Trump. Donald
1: Trump has made you the biggest loser. No one should ever be
0: rewarded for failure. If there's a truly conservative principle in life, it's the principle of the meritocracy. You reward excellence, you do not reward mediocrity. So good. Uh, And I think it's absolutely true to highlight that, that, in a midterm where everything was in the republican party's favor all of the different variables that would help an opposition party do well were there or many of them were there but the big difference in this midterm was the opposition party wasn't normal it was taken over by the maga movement and trump very much branded around it and so because of that the red wave didn't happen and the democratic party did way better than expected, and many other reasons. Of course, abortion played a huge role um, as well as other things, but I do think if you had to point at one thing, it would be the Republican Party is taken over by Trump, his ideology and his movement, and apparently, in a beautiful fashion, the American people are not on board with that. Now sadly, too many of them are, but at least not enough to create the feared red wave. Joe Biden did a press conference where he kind of responded to the election results, and I have a few interesting moments to show you from it. First, just him opening up about the night.
2: An election yesterday, and uh, it was a good day, I think, for democracy, and I think it was a good day for America. Excuse me, I have a little horse. Our democracy has been tested in recent years, but uh, with their votes, uh, the American people have spoken and proven once again that democracy is who we are the states across the country uh, saw a record voter turnout and the heart and soul of our democracy the voters the poll workers the election officials uh, they uh, did their job uh, and they fulfilled their duty and apparently without much uh, interference at all without any interference it looks like and that's a testament i think to the american people while we don't know all the results yet at least i don't know them all yet uh, here's what we do know. While the press and the pundits are predicting a giant red wave, uh, it didn't happen. And I know you were somewhat miffed by my uh, my uh, obsessive optimism, but uh, I felt good during the whole process. I thought we were going to do fine. While any seat lost is painful, some good Democrats didn't win the last night. Democrats had a strong night.
0: Okay, so, uh, you know, saying what we've been saying that We didn't get everything we wanted. Obviously, in an ideal world, the Democratic Party would have taken seats in the House and taken seats in the Senate. But uh, with the political context and the expectation for the night, it was overall pretty good. Uh, Then you have him getting asked, you know, when it went to the Q&A portion of the uh, event about Trump and his political movement still being strong despite the losses. And Biden kind of laughs it off.
2: That G7 conversation was tied to your predecessor, who is
0: about to launch
2: another campaign. So how do you reassure them if that is the reason for their questioning, that the former president will not return, that his political movement, which is still very strong, uh, will not once again take power in the (laughs) United States? Well, um, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power. Um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our constitution does not become the next president again.
0: That's the hope, uh, and. Then, narrowing in on this discussion especially that got very loud after the midterms about Ron DeSantis possibly challenging Trump because DeSantis did so well in his re-election race despite the Republican underwhelming uh, uh, performance in the night of the midterms and saying, hmm, maybe he's what the Republican Party should be because of that. And so now people are saying maybe he'll challenge Trump, as we've been talking about before, but like I said, it got a lot more prominent. And they ask Biden, who would you, who would be a more you know, tough candidate to run against?
2: Who do you think would be the tougher competitor, Ron DeSantis or former President Trump? And how is that factoring into your decision? It'd be fun watching them take on each other.
0: <laughs> who do you think would be- Okay, <laughs> It'd be he didn't answer it. It'd be fun to watch them take on each other. It would. It definitely would be fun, and hopefully it won't be one of those situations where because they used to be political allies, they try not to tear each other apart too much and just run on why they should get elected. I don't think that will happen. What if DeSantis is to announce, and it looks like Trump is definitely going to, possibly uh, he's pretending it's going to be on Tuesday, but we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it'll get very contentious and divide the Republican Party enough to where once one of them prevails into the general, There's a lot of people who just can't vote for the other one or get dissuaded from participating uh, because of the hard attacks that happened during that primary. But we'll see how it all goes. There's Joe Biden uh, in the aftermath of the midterms. We got some good economic news Uh, based on the most recent inflation report which is something I like to update you on because that is kind of the primary concern as far as economic pain goes otherwise the economy is largely headed back in the right direction job growth is great unemployment's low uh, GDP growth is back but inflation's still hurting people and so we got good numbers just indicating what economists call cooling off of inflation and that is absolutely what we're hoping for. So here from CNBC, the consumer price index rose less than expected in October, an indication that while inflation is still a threat to the United States economy, pressures could be starting to cool. The index, a broad-based measure of goods and services costs, increased 0.4% for the month and 7.7% from a year ago, according to a Bureau of Labor Statistics released Thursday. Respective estimates from Dow Jones were for rises of 0.6% 7.6 7.9 percent so you can see there um, monthly and annually it is lower than expected which is exactly what we're hoping for here's a little bit of a graph indicating the change we've seen and then finally quote the report overstates the case that inflation is coming in but it makes the case inflation is coming in said Mark Zandi chief economist at Moody's analytics It's pretty clear Uh, He continues that inflation has definitely peaked and is rolling over. All trend lines suggest that it will continue to moderate going forward, assuming that nothing goes off the rails. So, what that means is time is what we're waiting. You know, we're just waiting out time for the trends to continue and for inflation to cool off, which from the beginning, with the actions of the Fed as well as uh, the further recovery from the pandemic caused economic downturn, we understood there was going to be inflation, eventually it was going to start cooling off, and I'm happy that it is. Uh, We'll look a little bit here of CNBC kind of reacting to this, specifically reacting to the reaction of the markets to this news. you.
1: Wow. Uh, Rick, while you were talking, that was pretty unbelievable just to watch the Dow futures, I think we had on the chart the whole time. Again, right before this number, the futures for the Dow up by 50 points. Now they're up by almost 650, and it took off immediately. I don't know if we can take a look also at the 10-year just to see what was happening with that. Um, Ricky. we were busy reading the headlines on some of these things, but what are your thoughts about this movement that we've seen? Wow, the 10-year note falling below 4%. What huge do you think, Huge move Rick? in Fed funds also. Yeah, I tell you, the 10-year note below 4% is huge psychologically, obviously, but I think we get some good insight into the trading community as to what they consider... Uh, uh, an easing with respect to inflation. So these numbers might look a bit on the warm side just in general, but to watch the equities, Bitcoin's to favorable. watch the fixed income markets, I think it screams volumes that we are on the right path and investors are going to be piling in if we continue to see these true.
0: Okay. Uh, so happy markets on that front, which is also good. Now, because I'm... A political commentator my first thought when I saw this besides okay good that inflation is getting better is if we see this over the next two years I do think that sets up a really good moment for whoever runs against the Democrat to be defeated meaning if both there were big accomplishments under the Democratic Party legislatively and we see the similar variables economically we're seeing now besides inflation but inflation gets better now you not only have political successes you not only have a really broken down Republican Party as far as their brand if you want to call it that for the huge threat to democracy they pose and their attachment to Trump and all of this but you also have almost all good economic indicators not to speak of all the horrible things we have in our economy always but compared to other economic times we could be looking really good and that could very much help the democratic party because of course while we understand not all things are tied to the party in power that's how people see it so if they go into an election they a lot of times react uh, based on the health of the economy so if you could have The energy we saw in the midterms of people, even with inflation, still siding with the Democrats much more than most people expected because of things like abortion rights and the threat to democracy, etc. But also a good economy, I think you are in a really good place to uh, send the Republican Party home with their tails between their legs. Hmm. Carrie Lake is, of course, still waiting to see if she's going to win or lose in Arizona. But as we know despite what actually happens with the vote count she is going to claim fraud now Mm -hmm. we looked at her doing that all in the build up to the midterms and now Tucker Carlson is helping her he brought her on to his show kind of bolster this idea that because there's been some issues with the election process in Arizona specifically as we'll get into one little technical issue that got solved and no one was stopped from voting all is well but because as in any election we have millions of people voting tons of different you know locations there are gonna be some technical issue sometimes they're able to now point at that and say this is an example of some sort of crazy crime that's happening while you watch what i'm about to show you i've took carlson primarily spreading this um i want you to keep in mind that and this was a conversation a lot around the 2020 election they'll point to slow election counting as proof that some sort of fraud is going on without recognizing that, recognizing that universally, for the most part, it's the Republican Party that refuses to act to improve our election processes, to make them more efficient and to expand it more so it's not all happening in certain places where it has to be counted. Or another one, okay, literally, they have put rules in place that prevent the vote counters from starting the counting process of mail-in ballots um, or sometimes early voting until election day, when they could start kind of that earlier and have it done earlier, right? But they prevent it, the Republican Party that is, and then complain about that, point at it as proof of fraud. Very strange. So keep that in mind while you watch this. Uh, this seems, I, I mean, I'm not alleging a crime, but broadly speaking, it's just criminal to screw it up this badly. I'm not alleging a crime, but that's a crime like did anyone know this was going to happen are you confident that it's on the level it's just so outrageous what is this i'm not shocked at all i mean they've
2: been calling me an election denier i've been sounding the alarm on 2020 november 3rd election which was disastrous and we had problems in the august 2nd primary as well and now we have the Mm. same problems they have all this time to get this figured out and you know where the main problems are
0: and if people within the party you're running in would get more on board with improving our election process maybe we can make it uh faster here is a little bit of a breakdown kind of fact checking the claims that tucker carlson has been spreading a lot about the arizona situation that occurred tucker carlson falsely claimed on his nightly show that electronic voting machines in arizona didn't allow people to vote mr carlson said a huge percentage of electronic voting machines were faulty calling it an actual threat to democracy his claims, broadcast to millions of viewers on his Fox News show, were false. This phrase right here, y'all, could be the, um, you know, the, the slogan of the Tucker Carlson show. His claims, broadcast to millions of viewers on his Fox News show, were false. <laughs> Officials in, Repu- uh, in Republican-led Maricopa County reported a problem earlier in the day with ballot tabulation machines, machines that count votes, in 60 out of the county's 223 voting centers. Bill Gates, not that Bill Gates, just a random guy with that name, chairman of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, called it a technical issue and said people were still able to cast votes. None of this indicates any fraud, said Mr. Gates, a Republican, a Republican, quote, about 20% of the locations out there, where, there uh, where there's an issue with the tabulator where some of the ballots that after people have voted them they try and run them through the tabulator and they're not going through he said in a Facebook video and it goes on but here's pretty much the summary people were casting their ballots the tabulation of the ballots because it is a machine had some technical problems as you see um, from time to time and that got solved and that's not preventing people from voting it's just a little bit stalling the process of counting the votes now of course they're going to point at that to say there was fraud which is quite unfortunate and i do agree in a sense with what Carrie lake is kind of dishonestly saying which is we need to figure out a way to make sure we can get election results out quicker not because there's fraud when you don't do it quickly but because i'm so tired of hearing them scream about fraud when it's not counted to their uh, fast liking but if it was counting too fast then they would start saying that oh it's a little suspicious how quickly they counted those ballots (laughs) probably because they already had the results because they're all fake trump spreading misinformation about nevada so that's arizona here's trump trying to uh, stir up dust about nevada clark county nevada he writes on truth social has a corrupt voting system be careful adam that's talking to adam laxalt the republican running there. votes are still being counted in that race against cortez masto as do many places in our soon to be third world country Arizona even said by the end of the week, they want more time to cheat. Kerry Lake must win. So he's saying that they're cheating without, of course, providing any evidence because there isn't any. As uh, John Ralston highlights here, a journalist, I want to pause here to say this, and I hope all Republicans on the ballot are listening and will disavow. Trump has just put out that Clark County has a corrupt voting system and needs more time to cheat. This is the kind of garbage that he and Laxalt put out in 2020. There's zero evidence of any of this, and all campaigns knew about the mail-in ballot rules from the start. Absolutely correct, and this is what they do now. Anytime they fear they're gonna lose, and there's not an instant uh, you know, explosion of results, boom, we know exactly this person won, and they can't even have enough time to claim fraud, sometimes they still do. If there's any moment, a gap in time for them to start claiming fraud, they will. It's just the complete norm now among these types of people. And it's very scary. Luckily, we are seeing a lot of people in the Republican Party kind of just accept they didn't do well in the midterms, which is good. But going into 2024, just prepare yourself because I think there's a really good chance whoever the Republican Party puts up that a good Democratic candidate will win. And that means we're going to hear fraud shouted from the rooftops from many Republicans. And that is very scary. And as we talk about a lot, not functional within a, a Democratic process. Elon Musk purchased Twitter. As I know you guys are aware. And it's kind of falling apart um, to the point where he sent out an email to his staff saying, listen, we might go under if we don't see better economic times, if we don't figure out a way to make more money here. Of course, he purchased it for $44 billion and uh, may not be turning out so good for him. Mediite broke it down here. Elon Musk, still the world's richest man despite a quickly decreasing net worth, emailed his remaining Twitter employees early in the morning on Thursday and appeared to hit the panic button as to the company's financial viability. In his first email to his new employees, half of whom he unceremoniously laid off this month, Musk warned that the company he just purchased for $44 billion may not survive the economic downturn unless subscription revenue increases dramatically. Musk wrote, the economic picture ahead is dire, especially for a company like ours that is so dependent on advertising in a challenging economic climate. Moreover, 70% of our advertising is brand uh, rather than specific performance, which makes us doubt." Uh, duly vulnerable. Musk, quote, also told employees that he wants to see subscriptions account for half of Twitter's revenue, reported Bloomberg site in the email. The email came just a day after Twitter launched its new $8 charge for the Twitter blue subscription, which comes with a verification badge. So I think Trump, Trump, (laughs) whoops, Elon Musk could run Twitter into the ground. Here's audio from a phone call or, um, you know, opportunity for staff members to ask questions during one of these uh, Q&A's with him and they asked him about that $8 Twitter blue check badge that has now been rolled out previously it was free but you actually had to get verified that was why it was called the verification badge to show okay if you're a public figure in some way you can go to Twitter and say Verify that I am who I say I am so that other people can know that, right? So that when you're looking through Twitter, you can say this actually is the real Elon Musk and not a poser. But if you sell that off, just pay eight dollars and you can get a badge, then it doesn't mean anything, as one of the employees asks about here.
1: One. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to ask all these questions, it'll so be the last time I'm invited on a uh, spaces, but here goes nothing. The check mark, uh, used to stand for something, uh, now. Anyone that pays eight dollars a month can get the check mark. What's the what's the process by which um, accounts are verified in in this new world? Well,
2: um, it, it is a... Um, a it, it, I mean, so, so someone has to have a phone and a credit card and eight dollars a month. Um, so it, it that that's the bar. However, um, we will actively. Suspend accounts engaged in deception or trickery of, of any kind.
0: Mm. So it, it is I'm sure you can regulate that Beautifully if anyone can go buy a badge and then you're saying if we find out after the fact that they're posing We'll sort it out You're gonna have a lot of people who get away with spreading some dangerous misinformation when for some period of time You can have a little boot check and pretend that you're someone that you're not that's not great But the overarching picture we saw stories coming out of people getting fired through a meme, him sending them an email with a meme attached just saying like, you gotta go or something like that. Not at all respecting them as employees Mm -hmm. who have worked there for uh, some period of time and contributed to the success of Twitter. And he just seems to be operating and running this like a child. And so unprofessional. Yeah, oh my gosh, for sure. And you would think too, someone who's had business, business success before, obviously he's a multi multi multi-billionaire. So you have to have some sort of knowledge to get there. You would think taking over a company that's already established, you're not having to reinvent the wheel. You just got to do something well with an already somewhat successful company. Mm. Uh, He would have more success, but he's just not. And it's very interesting to see. And I'll be fascinated to watch if Twitter goes completely in the dumps after this because of just him kind of, to me, impulsively making the decision to pretend like he was buying. And it seemed he was trying to kind of pull out of it. But the speculation is because of the legal threats from Twitter saying you can't do what you just did, he decided, okay, I'll actually buy it, even though I was kind of joking about it initially. And here he is now owning this company that's not doing well and having much of his employee base, very unhappy with him as well as his customer base. I went to the Trump rally in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, as I've talked about, and we're going through each day a bunch of these different interviews that were just so dang fascinating. Um, What I want to show you today is a guy who is very intent on letting us know he was a mixed martial artist and (laughs) (laughs) he brings it up, as you'll see here, multiple times throughout this interview. Um, as well as doesn't really engage with the fact checks I do of his telling of the Trump investigation. So uh, take a look at this. Interesting, as you'll see. Here,
1: this is Rich Shade, Christian Patriot,
0: mixed martial arts expert, and the world's most handsome man. What are your feelings since it kind of big in the news right now about the investigation going on into him, based on the documents he had in my life? I Mar-Lago? think it's nonsense. I think the Justice Department right now is. So I know with all the noise, sometimes it's hard to hear. I ask, what are your feelings about the Trump document investigation? And he starts with nonsense. This is totally uh, corrupt at the top.
1: I actually know some. I, I train in mixed martial arts. Uh, oh, do I, you? Black belt in judo and getting close in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I know a lot of people in law enforcement. I don't think the middle level people in the FBI are crook, crooked, but the upper level. We've never had anybody weaponize the Justice Department against their opponents like Joe Biden's doing right now.
0: So my question on that, as far as the timeline goes, is do you agree that uh, the National Archives came to Trump said we need these documents, he didn't turn them over, we need them, we need them, and then finally it concluded in what we saw. The Basically dialogue. they blew it up overdue, overdue library. But- so what you'll notice, and I'm not going to try to overly psychoanalyze him, but he definitely has a hard time caring about what anyone else around him is doing or saying, because throughout this whole interview, I'm posing questions to him and he's answering in a way that doesn't indicate he heard my question at all so i asked just so we could establish i thought we're gonna have a more of a logical conversation establish okay do you agree at least that the national archives came to him multiple times and asked for the documents and he refused to turn them over or said he already turned them all over then we find out he didn't because he you're saying it's political persecution all right now let's just establish what do we both agree on and then where does the disagreement come in and he just responds by going well it's." Overdue library books. Cool. Nothing to do with what I just asked you. Books, that's all it really is. That have huge national security implications. Yeah, yeah, but look, look, <laughs> look what That's my favorite part. So I go, uh, you know, he says... Pretty much, this has all gotten blown up over overdue library books, and I say, yeah, that have huge national security implications. And he goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it shows you because I think I said it in like a, yeah, you know, I'm on your side, but national security implications. Then he's just like, oh yeah, yeah. And one of the things I realize with people who aren't really listening to you in these interviews and just kind of want to say what they want to say is they'll just mirror your energy. So if you have a face of like, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I actually am with the words that I'm saying, then they'll not even notice that you are, and I'm like, you do realize you've gotten fact-checked, like, twice already.
1: Yeah, yeah, but look, look, look what some of the other presidents, they're in the Chinese restaurants, you know?
0: <laughs> that was a National Archives rented out facility, but, yeah, which would have been so, okay if Trump had done Yeah, that. I mean... So, another thing is, to be ready for these, uh, interviews, you gotta dunk yourself in the water of conspiracy, and mm-hmm. that one was about the Chinese restaurant where a national arch, the National Archives rented out a facility. Um, or leased out a facility that happened to be next to because they just need space to start going through all the documents for George H. W., I'm pretty sure to decide which ones they had to keep, which ones had to go or could go in Bush's library, um, which is just one of the things they do, sort that out. And so they rented out a facility, leased out a facility, and it happened to be next to a Chinese restaurant or something. And so then the conspiracy became Bush himself was keeping all of his documents in a Chinese restaurant. Whew. so then again he didn't hear me that time at all I go yeah okay well that what you just said that was some of the National Archives did they were keeping the documents if the National Archives had the documents in the case of Trump we wouldn't have any problem but Trump was holding on to the documents he didn't care like didn't. They're,
1: they're targeting the man and, and they've been and all with him we saw Russia 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 nonsense one thing after another like Physically, like, I know how to fight, but uh, (laughs) President Trump, that dude is mentally tough. I don't know how he withstood all the attacks for years and years and years.
0: Hmm. I got you. So, with the Mar-a-Lago specifically... Separate from what it has to do with anybody else, any other stories you've heard about Obama? Listen, I think, I think Merrick Garland is going to be impeached. Trump. And- no interest in the question I was asking. <laughs> Just zero. Steve
1: Bannon from the war room, yeah. he said the hunted will become the hunters.
0: So, uh, we go on in that interview. That's what I, you know, spliced right there for to fit in YouTube uh, things, but... We went on to talk about, okay, you just said the hunted should become the hunters. Don't you feel like in the aftermath of the attack on Paul Pelosi, the right-wing's rhetoric promoting violence so much, you should back off on that language and just say, we're going to win politically or something? Why does it always have to be we're going to take our muskets, as Bannon said to the politicians, or we're going to put the head of Fauci on a pike outside the White House? Why does it always have to be violent language when you clearly see that disproportionately that leads on the right to political violence and again wasn't interested at all in any of the questions uh it, it is just like a whole lot of nonsense and then followed by but i can fight i'm a black I, boss. I, if you saw me i could <laughs> and the funny thing with him is his girlfriend was there standing mm-hmm. she was recording too <laughs> recording as well which is always funny because she's standing way away recording Girl, you're not going to hear a thing. It was windy. Like you need one of those mics to hear anything. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, just, I guess, capturing that he was being interviewed and um, or talking to someone who was trying to interview him, (laughs) talking over, you know, whatever. And one of the things that happened that was interesting after that interview is he walked away. And I guess when you're not listening to someone, it takes like four minutes until their questions start landing in your brain. And he was like, oh, wait he was fact checking what I was saying and realized that I wasn't on his, on his side that whole time. And I guess if you nod while you say stuff and someone has no interest in what you're saying, they'll assume you're on board with them. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he realized until the very end that I was not with him and he turned around and was like angry. I could see him in the distance and started walking towards and then the Mm -hmm. girlfriend grabbed him and like had to have a moment. Comforting him and everything. Yeah, and I got a little worried. Oh gosh, this is about to happen. (laughs) Um, And we'll be talking about later, someone asking if I feel threatened at these rallies. I'll answer that question in a later segment. But that was a temporary moment where I go, oh gosh, he's coming my way. It's about to go down, but it all turned out well. So there it is, more whatever you want to call that. At the Trump rally. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. I'll see you tomorrow.